0: Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. All right, good morning, church family. How is everyone today? Oh, come on, do better than that. Y'all, y'all got to help me a little bit. Bo says he may fall asleep back there today, so y'all have to be as peppy as can be to keep him going, all right? How are you today, church? Thank you. Thank you very much. We will be in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm saying that more for Bo than you because I just realized, Bo, you don't have my scriptures, do you? Just doing my part to keep you awake. So this year with Veterans Day sort of falling, well, it is right dead in the middle of the week. It was like What side do I put it on? Well, we have our kids working on a special thing for our veterans this week. um, And I will be mailing it out to them since so many are not actually here with us today anyway. So veterans, if you have served, would you mind just standing and let us just honor you for a moment? Thank you, Montana. Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, guys. No matter what you felt about this election this week, because of their service, we had that freedom to go cast those votes this week. And I want to thank you guys, and, and I know ladies at home that are watching for your service um, to give us that freedom. Um, sure, I know, there's some in here that you're on the winning side, some in here you're on the losing side. But I serve a God that's still on the throne. And we prayed that last week. I want to remind the church, we prayed. Do you remember this? We said, let's pray about it, God, you are in control. And I said to pray, I said to vote, and then I said, go love people. Because I knew there would be a loser in that election. And some of you are so disappointed that you're on the losing side, possibly. But God is still in control. And I hope you hear that today in this message. Because I have to tell you, we're in Ephesians 4, remember I said we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians, and it amazes me, because again, I just thought, when I started this, I thought, well, going through the book of Ephesians, it just sort of felt random to me right before we do our Advent, we'll start that at the end of this month, I already have our devotions, isn't that something, I, I, when I got those devotions a couple of weeks ago, it felt normal, <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? 2020 hasn't felt normal a whole lot to us. And that felt normal because I thought, oh, these are our devotions. We're going to read together and we're going to grow together and look forward to enjoying Jesus' birthday together. I love that. So, end of this month, that will be starting. Today, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 6. Therefore, I, a prisoner... For serving the Lord, again, we're talking about Paul. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body. And one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Dear Lord, this is your word, your message. It is alive and active. And God, here in the in the sanctuary and those in their home churches today, may it change us because of who you are in Jesus' name. So I was afraid Ephesians was going to feel random, and but then I realized this week God knew exactly what we needed to hear when we needed to hear it. And that's what we mean when we say God is in control because see before i even looked into chapter 4 this week to see where i was going and you're saying did we skip 3 no we kind of remember used a little bit of 3 last week in the message with 2 because paul kind of spilled over into 3 and i'd already i thought well i'm going to move on to 4 it just sort of fits with the time frame but I'll tell you, watching all the election stuff as a pastor, man, my wheels went to spinning and I thought, oh, I may have to jump off this Ephesian train. We may have to go find something else. We're going to need some hope today. We're going to need this. We're going to need that. And then when I sat down and read chapter four, I said, God, you are so good because you knew over a month ago what we were going to need on this Sunday to bring your people back together in unity. Cuz you have to remember Paul's central theme of this entire letter, this this book of Ephesians was about the church, about Jesus, who his whole process was to bring a disunified world into unity through his blood. You understand, do you you, you got to grasp, think even from Jesus' day, who were his followers? It wasn't just a couple of Jewish fishermen. He had Roman centurions working for the government that was oppressing his people that were his followers. He had Samaritans who were considered to be unclean and unworthy. They were his followers. And now as we're looking at Paul's ministry, you have the Gentiles and the Jews and the Gentiles. We talked about this. They wasn't getting along very good. And they were trying to figure out how to create this new community of believers together. And if we want to unite our community, if we want to unite our nation, if we want to unite the world then we need to be about sharing Jesus Christ because Jesus is the only thing that brings unity. Everything else divides us. Politics divide us. Color divides us. We could sit here and make a list all day of differences that divide us. But I can look at Jesus' ministry And he took all of that and he unified it. So I'm talking to the church. I know I'm not talking to everybody in America this morning because not everybody believes in Jesus Christ. So I'm talking to you, church. I'm talking to church at home watching us. So what does unity in the body look like? That's what I want us to to look at Paul's words as he's speaking to the church You know, we've been spending time, remember, we talked about uh, God's plan last week of breaking down walls of hostility, and now unity in the body. So this new faith, this new church they have put together, this is what it looks like. Always be humble and gentle. That's a great starting point. You see, when we look at the word humble or humility, the definition is having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Now, you have to understand, in Jesus' day, the word for humble was actually considered a bad word. It actually had a negative meaning to it, to people. Slavish, ignoble, cringing even. Because it, it gave a, a concept of lowliness that was not redeemed as something good in Jesus' day. Because if we looked at the Romans who had come in and, and taken uh, over uh, the area, they stood tall above everybody. So for you to think lowly of yourself was not a good thing. And it was actually the Christians that coined it as a word of virtue, something to be esteemed and sought after. Even today, I think people may look at that definition of humble and they still think of it as not really good because low estimate of one's importance. You see, we live in a culture that is all about self-worth. Self-love. love that we can pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and be tall. So to consider ourselves lower than others still probably gets a little bit of fight even in this culture. But Paul says, always be humble, always be gentle. Now here's what it means to be humble in God's sight, because I think sometimes we do get that, that negative image in our head that I just have to put everything about me aside. Like, I don't even matter, right? But we know that's not healthy either. We know eventually when we stuff ourselves at the bottom of the barrel, we hide a lot of hurts that will eventually bubble up. So what does it mean to be humble in God's sight? It means that self-knowledge is about taking a real look at who we are, an honest look at who we are. And most of us don't like to do that. In fact, we will deflect conversations away from us. Thomas says, I have this knack of talking like a car salesman. And I tell him, no, actually, I just learned from my dad, the more I talk, the less you can ask about me. True, right? They're like, wait a minute, BJ does talk a lot, doesn't she? Yeah. But I mean, that was that was how I, that was my self-defense growing up, right? If I talk about you the whole time and ask you about you the whole time, you can't ask me. Why? Because I don't want to look at me. My insecurities, how I feel about myself sometimes. I don't want to look at me. So we have that problem, we deflect. But when we're actually looking at ourselves, when we really take that moment to, to e- examine ourselves, You also have to consider it really matters who or what you're comparing yourself to. See, there becomes our problem when we're talking about being humble. Because I can say, well, look at my neighbor over here. I'm a really good person compared to that person. Ever done that? Oh, we do it every time we watch the news. I'm a great person compared to those people that wound up on the nightly news, right? or I'm right. Because let's compare what I believe to what you believe and I have more friends than you have, so we must be right, right? Or even on the negative side. When we're flipping through Instagram, I'm not pretty enough. You know, I Jackie, I don't I don't even know how to comprehend raising children in this day and age when they have so much comparison. That is going to be what they are setting their Standards too. My kids had a little bit of that, but we were still able to control a lot of that stuff by mainly giving them dumb phones until they went to college. True story. They didn't get smartphones till they were seniors in high school, I think. And then we compare those phones now. How smart are they, Brittany? <laughs> not, not very smart, are they? So you know, comparison is a big issue. So when you are looking, when you are trying to be humble, it it determines who you're comparing yourself to. Church, being humble, this, this humility that Paul talks about, we're looking at our reflection, but we're looking at it through God's eyes. We are comparing our lives to this. Not this in a meme on Facebook, mind you. (laughs) Not this in a meme on Instagram. Yeah, there's some good uplifting things there. But what is Satan really good at? Taking the word and twisting it just a little bit. So even when you find something really good out there on social media, please make sure that it really does meet up to this. So when we're trying to be humble, we we want to look at ourselves in a reflection of what God expects us to be. So now what do we see? Remember remember my catchphrase several weeks ago, that the life I'm chasing may not be my best life, right? Humility happens when we look at God's character, who he is. We look at Jesus, everything he taught us while he was here on the earth. And remember, what does Christian mean? To be Christ-like. You and I are continually growing to become more Christ-like every day. And then, usually when I look at that, I have to admit I might miss the mark a little bit. That's humility. That's when I humble myself to know, God, you got it together. And I'm still failing. The word tells me that we all fail, right? We all fall short. That's humility. At my moment of salvation, I figured out I wasn't enough on my own to get to heaven. I needed Jesus Christ as my savior. I humbled myself at the foot of that cross. At that moment of sanctification, I realized that I was still living life my way. I just sort of had Jesus in my back pocket going about my day. And I saw my life and my choices through God's eyes. And I had to humble myself again. Every day, we probably should have those moments where we humble ourselves and say, God, these are the areas I'm weak in. Can you strengthen me? And then he said to be gentle always be humble, always be gentle. Maybe some of your versions even use the word meek. And you know, too often we think of this as being weak, but it's not. It's not about being weak and less than, but it's about, and it's not even about being overbearing. This gentleness that Paul talks about is a midpoint of both those things. You you know the phrase, the, the pendulum swings, and we have two opposite sides. Someone who is overbearing, someone who is so underbearing that they cower almost. And this gentleness Paul's talking about is in the middle, a middle compromising ground. Aristotle, who was a Greek thinker, he defined the word they use here for gentle as the midpoint between being too angry and never being angry at all. Man, again, God, you are so good because you knew exactly what we needed this week. We need to know what being gentle is all about. In other words, the Christian should be moved to a righteous anger. There is a time and place for righteous anger when we see people suffering. And just as the most obvious kind of thought process, I'm thinking here, human trafficking. I bet we could all agree on that. The righteous anger of human trafficking of stopping that. So, The Christian gentleness should be moved to righteous anger at the sufferings of others, but not moved to anger because of personal insults and attacks you might receive. Check your toes. That one might have got deep there. The Christian should be God-controlled. You see, we don't naturally fall in the middle of that. We don't naturally... (laughs) Become gentle people. Think of, a, think of a little toddler. When he gets mad, when he don't get his way, what does he do? He hits, he throws, he scratches, he slaps, and we're teaching them not to. Why? Because we're teaching them self-control, right? But as we humbled ourselves, we realize, man, I fall short. My temper gets me sometimes. The Christian is God-controlled to have that perfect gentleness towards others. But now remember, God is, Paul is not talking about how they're interacting with other people outside the church. He's still talking to the church, how we act together inside the church. And when I say church, I'm not just talking about inside these four walls. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about down here at church of Christ. I'm talking about over here at Pentecost. I'm talking about the Baptist church. You see Christians, we make the church. Be humble, be gentle. The word for patient, um, and the next part, he said, be patient with others, allowing for faults because of your love. You see, the word for patient here means you'll never give in and and you'll keep pressing on to reap the reward. I think the the old language was long-suffering you know, back in King James and those kind of versions, you, you will see that long suffering. And I remember that used to confuse me. My funniest story with that phrase is Thomas's mom, because she just, she said, we, we did something, Diane, with women's ministry. And I don't know, you had a board and it had different words or phrases, and you were supposed to write your name by something you felt drawn to. And she just looked at it and she said, I really don't know what long-suffering is, but I know what suffering is, and I'm pretty sure that's where I'm going to fit. <laughs> because we didn't have that right concept of what long-suffering meant. But poor Reba, she just knew she always suffered with health. You know, that was sort of during that time frame of health issues and things she was struggling with, and she just saw the word suffer and thought, that's where I fit. But long-suffering is, is patience. It's about enduring, whatever you're going through, not giving up because you don't get the prize unless you finish the race. So Christian patience is the spirit, the spirit which never admits defeat, which will not be broken by any misfortune or suffering by any disappointment or discouragement, but which persists to the end. Oh, church family, I know so many of your stories. And I know the misfortune and the broken, the disappointments, the discouragement. Maybe you felt a lot of that this week watching this election. But Christians, we don't give up because our hope is in Jesus. J.B. Lightfoot, who is a New Testament scholar, he said, the spirit which refuses The Christian spirit of patience is the spirit which refuses to retaliate. Mm. That is so strong. It's not just about enduring and having hope, but it's also a spirit that refuses to retaliate against people. Remember, we're talking about that being in that middle, right? The gentleness, not getting too angry, not just ignoring anger but knowing when not to retaliate either. So the Christian spirit will bear insult and injury without the bitterness and complaint that we sometimes fall into when we feel those attacks. Why? What did Paul say? Because of your love. The love that is buried deep inside of each of us, which is not our own, is from Jesus. And this is where we look at what type of love Paul was talking about, agape love. Agape love is not based on your emotions. Because it's based on who God is. And it's based on that unconditional love that he gave you and I. Anybody in here remember the day that Jesus found you? Anybody in here, was you in a mess at the bottom of a pit? because you humbled yourself and you realized, looking up, I need you, Lord. That's the same love we owe our brothers and sisters in Christ. Unconditional, agape love. Not based on emotion, because let's be honest, if God worked on his emotions, we might not be here today. Like it had it'd been over a whole long time ago, remember? <laughs> Remember how mad he got and he told Moses, I'm just done with these people. Like I can't even leave them at the foot of the mountain for like 30 seconds and they're already down there messing up. And Moses said, whoa, 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 whoa. But remember who you are, God. (laughs) You love us. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So let's go down there and let's tell them this. We have to give that same love because it's living in each one of us. And then Paul went on. Let's look at verse 3 through 6 again. I want to remind you. He said, make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. This oneness is not based on believers looking alike. It's not based on us even acting alike. We might like different worship music. Some of you get excited. That first song Brittany usually plays is something out of the hymn book. And then some of you may get super excited when she plays one of the new songs. We have different opinions. We might differ in the decor, t- you know, taste of, well, I just don't like that new stage they did. And, and, and I miss that blue carpet. Yes, Mandy James, I'm talking to you. She loved that blue carpet. <laughs> Me, I'm actually a little partial. I miss the duct tape from the original carpet back in the day when I showed up about 20 something years ago. Anybody remember the duct tape down the middle of this aisle? Yes, sir, Bob. We can all have different tastes, and you know what? We might vote different in this room, and that's okay. Our oneness comes from our belief in Jesus Christ. That's what makes us one body. Don't just coexist, make nice. He said, make every effort and let peace bind you together. You know, baptism is about pledging to follow Jesus. That's the whole purpose, you know, and man, we're getting to that point. I haven't baptized anybody in a long time. I'm, I'm needing to baptize somebody. So if you've not been baptized and you want to, we need to have that discussion. I can put a mask on and still throw you under that water. Man, we could do snorkel masks or the whole scuba mask. And then you ain't even got to worry about that COVID stuff. And then I could just hold them down. Are you clean yet? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. See, I'm telling y'all, I'm getting itchy, I need to baptize somebody. <laughs> but I love and hear that Paul tells us there's one God and Father. We all serve. Guess what? You voted for Trump, one God. You voted for Biden, same God. You voted for Kanye, we gotta talk. <laughs> Just kidding. I was tempted though. I tell you, why didn't anybody tell us who those other people were on that list? I'm just telling you. It don't matter. You serve one God, one God and father of all. And I love that image that Paul gives us the father of all. Like so many times when we think of God, maybe we, we try to drum up ideas of who he is. And the first thing Paul wants us to realize he's a father. When we think of God, think of him as being that father that loves you like nobody else. And sometimes for some of us, that's hard to imagine. Maybe our earthly fathers didn't give us the greatest example of that. So sometimes we do have to relearn what a loving father looks like. But he's the father of all. And then it said that he was over all. Do you hear me? Overall, that means everything happening. But BJ, my person didn't win. I don't care. God's still overall. Because we have to understand when we pray, God, put your person in power, I want you to think of all the elected officials around the world through history that has been placed in power, we could think of some names that you think that had nothing to do with God. It couldn't have. I agree. But he still was over And we may never understand why those things happened the way they did. But see, this is where we're trying to shape God into what we are thinking about him and how he should act, instead of looking at his word to find out who he is. He is above and over all. He's in all. As believers, his spirit lives in every one of them. Even that one person in America that voted for Kanye. If they believe in Jesus, the spirit lives in them too. He lives in all of us. And then this is my favorite. He lives through all of us. See, this is what Paul is talking about. We are the body of Christ. Christ now lives through us. We're the hands. We're the feet. Lord, help us. Sometimes we're the mouthpiece. We become the body that works together. And you guys have heard these sermons over and over about the body, and we all do different things. Exactly. So whatever division you saw this week and in these last months, I want you to just erase it. Because as Christian brothers and sisters, we are called to be one. And people cannot see Jesus in us if all they see is every cause we are fighting for. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being for those causes. Somebody needs to fight for injustice. Somebody needs to fight for the unborn children. Somebody needs to fight for women's rights. That's what makes up a body. We each have a different part. So stop thinking because they don't fight for what you fight for makes them wrong. They're a piece of the body. They're a piece of the body. And the only way to change this world is start right here, right now, with you. Remember how Paul started this? Lead a life worthy of your calling by who? By God. God intends believers to live in unity. I I seen a lot of different memes and things yesterday. We got a lot of work to do. We got to get started. Yeah, church, we got a lot of work to do. Because I've also seen a lot of these memes of it's the end times. Well, you better start living like it then. You better start telling people about Jesus Christ, not about your opinions about Jesus Christ, because my Bible, and I think it's the same version you have, Jesus says, nobody gets to the Father except through me. Live a life worthy of your calling by God. And I want you to go home, and I want you to, to read the rest of chapter 4. Man, I, as I was looking at chapter 4, I was like, Lord, I could spend a month just in this one chapter So I had to to pick and choose. But Paul talks about our responsibilities, the different gifts that we all have. Why? To continue to build up other believers. What are we building them to do? Oh, that's right, to go make Christ-like disciples in all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them the things Jesus taught us. He talks about living in light, not in darkness. We, We are the light, remember? Don't lie, don't let anger control you. Watch your tongue. But here's where I'm going to end with us today. For these last thoughts on how we are to live in unity as the church. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Church, God is in control. Don't tell me, but BJ, no. Because my Bible is full of things where people didn't always agree with the leaders and God still moved through the people around those leaders. He worked through Pharaohs who never believed in him. So why do we think he stopped doing that today? Our job now as the church body in this country is to pray for those leaders, whoever they are, to give them the same respect, whoever they are and pray for them daily. Pray for the people around them that will work alongside of them, influence them. Pray for our representatives. Pray for our Supreme Court that God's spirit just moves in all those places. But most importantly, you need to be the church right here in Wix, Arkansas, and in the communities around us. You need to be about telling people about Jesus Christ. You have a hope in you this morning. How stingy of you to keep it inside. Man, we need to share it. We need to love on people, even when we don't like them. Because that Bible also tells me, love my neighbor and my enemy. Bing! I hate that. Don't you? There's always those little loopholes God will throw in there. Oh, messes me up. But he said, hey, I loved you when you were unlovable, BJ. Share that same love with everybody else. Stand with me, church. Let me direct your thoughts. Maybe maybe you personally this morning, maybe you need that moment of being humble. God, I'm sorry. I let some bitterness and rage and things fly this week, Lord, and I'm so sorry. Mm. Because, God, I'm not paying attention that the very person sitting next to me, maybe they voted different than me, and, God, I I offended them. I'm sorry, Lord. God, fill me with your spirit of gentleness. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. But I also want to direct you to be in prayer for this country, for healing, for a patience that we just talked about that pushes forward. And for God's people to move in all areas. Dear Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for knowing the timeliness of your word today. You never cease to amaze me when you throw things in my mind and I I don't think it makes sense. And then all of a sudden on this Sunday, you were right. God, if only we'd live so much more of our life like that, to just follow when it doesn't seem to make sense. Man, and we may never know till we get to heaven and we start seeing people lining up to say thanks. Thanks for what? For sharing Jesus in a way that I could see it. Lord, I pray for your spirit right now to settle in these pews at home, Lord. A spirit of healing, a spirit of redemption, A spirit of humbleness, a spirit of gentleness, a spirit of patience. And God, may we be the church. May we be the church. May we be the church. One body, one God, one faith in Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all of his people said, amen. Church, have a beautifully blessed day, but go be a blessing to someone else. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.